to C3 Church Hepburn Heights. We believe Jesus Christ gives life to the full and we are called to live it and share it. We pray you enjoy this message today. Good morning, good morning. So we're going to meander and wander through these messages this morning interspersed with communion and some more worship and all sorts of goodness, right? So flexible service muscles happening. Yes, are you flexible with me? You guys are pros at being flexible now. And so as we've just heard from Pastor Ben, we launched a spirit-led series last week and it's my great privilege today to share specifically just for a few moments on spirit-led words. So one image that Holy Spirit continues to give me is that our words are like paint. And what I mean by that is I can see and sense splashes of colour, markers of life, moments of story being painted on each other as we speak words. And whether those words are coming out of our mouth in the physical form or whether they are relayed in digital form or whether they're communicated through literally pen and paper, paint like words leave a residue, leave substance, leave texture, leave colour on others. And so what we are doing, friends, is we are helping paint each other's canvases with our words. And so this locating passage here that we've just heard from Pastor Ben from Acts 1 relays the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. I want to pick up again in Acts 1 verse 8, the last part of what we just heard there. You, you, us, will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So friends, what are we bearing witness to? Who are we bearing witness of with our paint-like words? And so I just want to unpack three ideas around this metaphor of speaking of words like paint as we locate in this passage. So firstly, if our words are like paint, spirit-led words leave colour. And what I mean by that in a slightly less poetic poetic way for those of you that are more left brain amongst us is that our words leave a mark. And so as we're in this series, as we're considering, as we're praying for, as we're waiting for this daily deposit and empowering and refreshing of Holy Spirit, I would ask us, what colour are we painting on others with the words that we say? And it's like if we had some sort of superhero quality where we could peel back the layers and see the colour on people that we leave behind after we've spoken to them, what colour, friends, are you leaving behind? What are you painting on other people with your words? Are you adding constantly yellow to what appears to be many grey shadowed canvases? Are you adding golden encouragement amidst what is a lot of darkness amongst people that you can see? What if you're intentionally trying to add a rich, deep, beautiful people of purple, but instead you kind of splash a murky mess? It's quite a confronting image to consider the mark that we may be leaving on people with the words that we speak. 
And you see, I believe our mouths, our mouths should hold buttercup yellow and turquoise and fuchsia and chocolate and metallic bronze. And we should paint life on one another with our words. We should be painting beautiful canvases with our words. Proverbs 18.21 says it like this. The tongue has the power of life and death and those who love it will eat its fruit. That is, our tongue holds colour. It holds the capacity. It holds the potential to be fruit or to be poison. It holds the capacity to be beautiful, deep, hope-filled, life-giving colour. But it also holds the capacity to be the exact opposite of that. We paint life with our tongue. And it is the Holy Spirit's desire that we would be spirit-led painting colour on one another with our mouths. It's a powerful and sobering reflection, right? If you consider the mark that you are leaving behind after you've had a conversation with someone, after you've posted something on social media, after you've sent a text message, what colour have you left behind? Second facet of this whole metaphor of words are like paint is that spirit-led words are soaked. And just as paint is wet, so are words. A few months ago, I, I had a word during one of our Renew Prayer meetings for our chaplains and I felt the Holy Spirit impress upon me to say over our chaplains that their words are wet. And what I meant by that is that their words are soaked in the Spirit soaked into their hearts and then in turn as those words come out of their mouth they will soak life bring life to those that they come into counter with and the same principle applies to us in our everyday holy spirit wants us soaked in him so that out of our mouth flows life and flows paint that would soak on others So what are you soaking in, friends? What's been your marinade of choice this week? What's on the highest rotation in your head and your heart? What are those loops that you're playing over and over again? What are those scripts that are raveled around your heart? Because Jesus would say to the Pharisees in Matthew 12, 34, how can you speak good things when you are evil? For the mouth speaks from the overflow of the heart. What is we're marinating in, what is the abundance of our heart actually comes out of our mouth, sometimes without us even realising or it wanting to. Our mouth speaks of the state of here. So we've got to have an awareness. We've got to ask Holy Spirit to give it an awareness of what we are marinating in. If our heart is daily soaked in the deliciousness, the goodness, the wonder, the beauty, the gratitude, the kindness of God, then that will flow out of our mouths. But if we peel back the layers of our heart and have insight, sometimes, friends, we can be soaking on ganky water and sludge. Sometimes, friends, we haven't even been doing any soaking at all. And our heart may appear to be like a piece of biltong. I know you'd like that, Ben. See, we all have scripts, friends, 
in our head and our heart. Do you know we're all meditating on scriptures? It's just some of them aren't actually from the Word of God. Some of us have sacred writings, things that we tell ourselves, things that we've been told since we were a child, things that have looped and repeated constantly in our head and our heart. And some of these we are aware of and some of them we aren't. Peter Gazero would say, when we become a Christian, we, we get Jesus in our heart, but Grandpa is still in our bones. And what he means by that is the origin, our upbringing, our family, our legacy is still deep within us. And the work of the disciple and the work of the Spirit is to unravel so many of the scripts that we have been brought up with to then re-ravel and soak in the Word of God. So we soak on stuff all day without even realising it. And so I'd encourage us in this season, friends, to consider what you are soaking in. What are the practices? What are the loops in your head? What are those scripts that you were saying under your breath? And then I'd encourage us in our daily, hourly spirit-led speaking to ask Holy Spirit to guide. Simply under our breath, in continual conversation. And friends, I, I do this regularly and continue to do it. That be it before I send a text message, before I preach, before I have a conversation with someone, as I'm having a conversation with someone, I'm all the time in my spirit going, Spirit, lead me. Spirit, lead my words. Spirit, lead my words. May come tumbling out of my mouth, Spirit, truth and hope and life. May, may it not come tumbling out any of my issue, any of my script, any of my problem, any of my script that I have told myself, but Holy Spirit, flow out of the abundance of my heart. Flow out of my soaking in You, my knowing You, my walking with You, my recognition of You. And so friends, these sorts of words that come out of the abundance of our heart can literally be life-giving water, can literally be the greatest witness to those we come in contact with in the small ways and in the big ways. And finally, last point as I finish this off, our spirit-led words witness. They witness, friends. Back to the original scripture. Jesus tells us that the power will come upon us and we will be witnesses. We will be the mouthpiece of God. We will be testifying of the artistry and the mastery of God. We will be truth tellers and hope bringers and story choreographers with our words. Our words should bear witness of the goodness of God in our lives. Not talking here, like Ben said last week, about having a three-point testimony just to pull out at any, any point. No, this is testifying of the goodness of God. You know your story, your proof of God in your life. What has He done in you and for you? And that may not come out in just your words, that may come out in your sound, your tone, your posture in that text message, in that conversation. Our words need to be saying, my life is a work in progress, but I'm at the hands of a master artist. And let me paint beautiful colour on you today. That, friends, is how we witness. And I love in John 4 how the Samaritan woman receives this beautiful drink of water as she's at the well with Jesus. And then what she can't help but do is go and testify that she has had a drink. 
can't, go, can't help but go and be proof of the fact that she has just found her Saviour. And many, many, many are gathered and many, many that day are added to the faith because of her testimony. So our words, friends, testify. So it's important to know what you want to testify. What is your story of the goodness of God? As Ben encouraged us last week, sit down and write a list and then let that come out in your language. Let the Spirit guide those words that we are living, walking, testifying proof of the goodness of God. And so friends, let me pray. Holy Spirit, we keep asking daily, hourly, that our words will be Spirit-led, that they will paint life and hope and colour on all those we come into contact with, leaving beautiful, Spirit-soaked remnants of the Jesus we know and love. Holy Spirit, be in our heart and our mouths. All for your glory, Jesus. Amen. It's an honour to be here with you this morning. Thank you, Pastor Ben and Karen. Thank you, Pastor Jason M. Uh, it is an honour to, to share the Word of God with you. And it's an honour to, to be able to uh, do what we do at North Perth. Uh, we are so privileged. Michaela and I are so seriously honoured. We uh, yeah, always pinch ourselves in just what we get to do uh, and the opportunity. And so thank you all for uh, being a part of that with us. We're going to turn to the Word of God. Is that good? We're going to turn to Ephesians 2, uh, verse 19. It says, Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of His household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus Himself as the chief cornerstone. In Him, in Jesus, the whole body is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in Him, you too, you all are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by His Spirit. This is the Word of the Lord. Come on. This is amazing. Incredible thing that we have here in God's Word. And I get the honour of, of talking about the Holy Spirit-led worship in, in what we do in worshipping God. And so God's Spirit in this Scripture, you see, is the driving force that builds us together. He's the driving force. God's Spirit is the one that builds us together. And as we take time for worship, for uh, adoring and honouring God, our God three in one, Father, Son, and Spirit, we're being built together as a temple, a space where God dwells. And so we're going to look at this a little bit this morning. So worship itself. Worship is not just a song. It's not just something that we sing. Uh, but worship is about uh, what every human gives their allegiance to, gives their commitment to. And as, as Christians, we, it's, it's who we give our allegiance to. That, that is what worship is. Worship is about who we're giving our commitment to, uh, following Jesus. We trust in Him. When, when we trust and follow Jesus and He is the centering focus of our lives, our response is to 
worship is to respond with awe and wonder, is to respond by changing how we live. There's so many aspects of our life that is worship, that is honouring and adoring our God. Now, when you play the piano... The piano is uh, tuned to a certain frequency and the middle notes is, is tuned to a certain frequency and then the whole piano is tuned accordingly. Uh, but if you decided just strangely that you wanted to tune a couple of notes off a bit, off on some different frequencies, off some different uh, notes and keys, uh, it doesn't matter if you get a master pianist to play that piano, something about it is going to be off. It's going to be wrong. And so it is uh, when we're worshipping, it's not about how well we play it. It's not about how hard you go for it. What's important about our worship is the centering focus of who we worship. Who we worship is the important part of our worship, of us collectively doing that together. There's a great quote from James K.A. Smith. He says, we are what we love. We may not love what we think we love, and that our loves must be shaped by the practices of Christian worship. These practices are communal, congregational, and counterformative. We are already being formed by something, the seasonal sales, the summer holidays, the drive to spend and consume, and more. This is the key part. Worship is where Christians get their desires recalibrated, their hearts realigned, and their loves re-aimed. Worship is that space in our personal lives and communally. In community, we are being formed by the work of the Spirit. The Spirit of God is forming us, recalibrating us in these times of worship. They're so important, so key. It's not just a religious duty that we do just because we need to, but it's about relationship. And that's ultimately what Christianity is about. It's about this relationship we have with God. It's an experience that we have. It's our walk we have with God. It's, it's uh, having space and time to be in His presence. And that word presence is, is a key word in the Old Testament. It's, it's a word, uh, when you see the word presence, it's often the word uh, pane, the Hebrew word pane, which literally means face. And so when they're talking about the presence of God, they're talking about the face of God. And so it's an experience of God's face that we have with in moments of his presence. Now, the face uh, is a rich metaphor. Uh, it's charged and with complex and intimate. It's, it's charged with complex and intimate relationships. It's a relational thing, the face. In infancy, as our eyes gradually focus, the face becomes the first thing we see. In the face, we acquire trust and affection. Or in some terrible cases, there's rejection and abuse. Our formative years are spent looking up into the face. And, as, and we grow up toward what we are looking up to, which is sometimes not great. <laughs> Thus, the metaphor pours out insights rooted in experience. An experience in which we realize ourselves. The face has so much visual elements of we actually identify ourselves with that. And so these experienced facts of face develop also into the metaphor of God and his face. Uh, in the experience of spiritual infancy from the very first time we become a Christian to, to 
developing a maturity in God, the face of God, His presence actually defines so much of our experience of God. As we actually come into places and experience God, that so defines our Christian walk. The face and the presence of God is so key and important. And this is moments of worship that we have. Moments where we actually engage with God's Spirit and allow His face to actually transform us and change us. But there's also a temptation in this, not to see the face of God, but something else entirely. Eugene Peterson says this, he says, Worship is a deliberate venture into God adoration and Christ's commitment by which we escape the narcissistic isolation of gazing into our ego mirrors and having a reality defined by the squint of our eyes, the set of our jaws. Why would anyone flee the presence or face of God to look at that? (laughs) Isn't that a sobering reality right there? Uh, There is great temptation, particularly in our uh, current self-focused world, to flee the the face of God and actually just look at our ego-obsessed mirrors Look at our face, get obsessed with what we're doing and how we're acting or or how we're not doing or how we're not acting. We can look at the face of of the mirror more than we can the face of God. And what what I'm calling us to this morning is to, to continue to pull ourselves away from looking at ourselves and continue to focus our attention. Our centering focus is looking upon the face of God meeting him in the important space where his presence dwells. And there's this ancient, in in Israelite, this is an important space. And this is wrapped with the the vision of the temple. The temple is an incredible part of uh, the Bible and and, and particularly the, the people of Israel. As you study the temple... And earlier, the tabernacle, uh, you'll see blueprints for a space uh, like the garden in Eden, a space where God and humanity dwelt together in harmony, walking side by side. And it was until uh, that was fractured through humanity's disobedience. God was on a mission to dwell amongst us again. He was on a mission to dwell with us. And as you read through those exciting and thrilling sections of the Bible in Exodus and Leviticus, everyone loves those parts of the Bible. Detailing the blueprint for the tabernacle and outlining the sacrificial laws. Just, oh, those are, ah, oh, yes, that gets you excited. We can see the, the details and the laws and think that God is trying to control humans or is distancing himself from humans, but it's quite the opposite. These details are there uh, because God longed to dwell with us. His heart is to dwell amongst us. And the space where God lives is so holy, so set apart, that if anything comes into that that's tainted by sin or death, has a mark on it, if you enter that space, you can't handle it. You can't handle that space uh, and you get buckled under the pressure of God's holiness. And so he had to set up a, a set of rules and, uh, and rituals to be able to create a space humans and God could dwell together. This is the key importance of, of the imagery of the temple, key thing that is going on in the temple. 
And uh, when we think about the, the work of the Spirit in our lives, when we think about Spirit alive in us, and, and even as you think about what's the difference between the, the Spirit of the Old Testament and the Spirit of Pentecost, this, yes, come on, God's alive now in everyone. And I asked this, this question to our dinner church uh, last Sunday, uh, and their, their answer was spot on. I said, what's the difference between the Spirit of the Old Testament, Spirit of the New Testament and Pentecost? And they said, it's the same Spirit. Exactly the same spirit, but the difference is Jesus tore the the curtain in the temple and we now all have access to the spirit. Instead of finding God in a a temple space, we have the the spirit of God in us or we ourselves are the temple. We are that sacred space in which God's spirit dwells in each of us. God's spirit dwells in us. It's, It's a radical thing. That is so radical what Jesus has done. No longer do we have to access God's Spirit in this kind of small, limited way. We access God's Spirit just by following Jesus, being found in His presence. He, we are ourselves are the temple. The Spirit dwells in us. We have access to the Spirit of God. And this is grace. This is an amazing gift that we actually get to access the presence and spirit of God, that he's alive in all of us. This is what we get to engage with in worship. The spirit of God is in us all. And so again, as we read that that verse in, in Ephesians, in him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you two all are being built together to become a dwelling, a tabernacle, a temple in which God lives by His Spirit. We need to realize that we have the Spirit of God with us always. This is incredible, amazing gift and something that we need to take hold of in our every day. It should be our daily posture to allow God to, to recalibrate our desires and allow His Spirit alive in us. Lastly, I just want to mention uh, a great practice that uh, has been really key for me lately, and it's uh, the Unation Prayer of Examen. Uh, this kind of old school prayer where you would do at the end of the day, Ignatius would get his followers to kind of do this practice. It's a practice where you think over the whole day that had been, and you think about the different moments, the events that happened in that day. And you, you, you think about God's spirit that was with you in that moment. And you think about maybe the exciting and good things. Yeah, yeah, that's easy to think about God's spirit with you in those moments. But then just the mundane, normal things, you think about God's spirit. But then also in, in the bad things, the things where you didn't meet up to that day, you, you think about God's spirit that was with you throughout your day. And as I've been doing this practice, I've actually realized the more I've done it, uh, in the days that have followed, I've, I've realized and, and become more aware of God's Spirit with me as I'm living out my day. I was picking up the dog poo the other day, and I was like, God's Spirit is with me right now. This is amazing. It's just in the mundane, no ordinary thing, God's Spirit is with us. And he's alive in us. And this is what it means to actually have spirit-filled worship where we live our every single day, realizing God is in us and with us. Being more attuned to him alive in us, actually helping us and forming us to be more like him. And so let our minds and hearts be set and realize that he is with you and in you. Let's take that. Let me pray. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're here right now. 
that you've made a space in each of us. It's not because of how good we are or how much we get right, but Jesus, simply by following you and dedicating our lives to you, Jesus, you cleanse us. You make a space in each of us where your presence dwells. I thank you that we get to encounter the face of God, that it's so part of the, our experience of life of just seeing you and experiencing you. And so, God, I pray right now that that would settle in us, your spirit in us, that we would see this week and experience and remember your presence with us. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Yes, we just keep on coming today. And I have the privilege of finishing our three-part message with Spirit-Led Walk. And my hope today is to not only help us all understand what it means to follow Holy Spirit in every part of our lives, but also that we might all just give Holy Spirit a little, a little more space, a little more room in the everyday parts of our lives. So my scriptures today come from Galatians chapter 5 and in verse 16 the first sentence says, So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. And then further down in verse 25, Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. So spirit-led walking, it sounds pretty wacky, right? Pretty surreal. And while it is powerful, like Pastor Phil said in his message to the movement a couple of weeks ago, it doesn't have to be weird. We are not meant to be weird 24-7, seven days of the week. Unfortunately, hard conversations still have to be had, right? We still have problems we have to work through. We still have to drive to our destinations with three kids fighting in the car. That probably happens to you, never in our car. <laughs> the house still needs to be cleaned. Life, everyday life still has to be led. So what it is, is accessing the power of the Holy Spirit to live our best life, to make decisions, to choose words and actions that have better results form our lives in Christ's likeness, a life that bears witness to what Jesus Christ has done in us, both for ourselves and for those around us. It's bringing heaven to earth, his kingdom, to let's be honest, the mostly mundane part and reality of everyday life. We were able to recently head to Hobart for C3 National Conference and we were staying in the city and able to like walk to most of our destinations. But we had also noticed that they have quite a large stash of the uh, electric scooters for hire. And some of the team were like, yes, jump straight on, let's do this. Uh, maybe it's my age, I was a little more, no, no, we've got time to walk, we're fine. Just doing it in the city, it's just a little bit intimidating, I found. But there was one day where Ben said, look, if we don't jump on these scooters, we are going to be late. So ugh, I was like, fine. So 
Look, we did, I, I got on there, Ben was already like down the street by the time I'd like done the app, got my helmet on, gave a little test. In my mind, it was kind of like you jump on and it zooms off, but of course, no, you, you are in control, you have power. But what I did learn about these is you, you can hop on, download your app, start your ride, get your helmet on, and you can actually just still scoot along in your, own, in your own strength. You don't need to access the power that's there, which was comforting, but also like, what would be the point? So while the electric power is available, you can choose not to use it. You can choose to keep on moving in your own strength. When we are not following the Spirit, when we choose not to access the life-giving power that we all have, we are inevitably prone to follow our sinful self-interest ways, the message describes them as. These are the behaviours that bring harm and destruction not only to ourselves but to those around us. It's like being on an electric scooter and just like pushing it up a rickety path hill using our own quad and calf strength only to find ourselves rolling slowly back down. We all just drop our heads a bit. Oh, that's sad. But the opposite happens when we live by the Spirit. I'm sure most of us know the fruits of the Spirit, right? That's us cruising in electric power that's available to us. And here's some more good news. Walking by the Spirit isn't impossible, doesn't have to be a pipe dream once we discover the habit and develop it in our lives. You, I, are already filled with the Holy Spirit. The gift, the power is already ours. So what does it look like to walk by the Spirit. Well, first you must know that the scooter you're on is electric, right, to actually access its power. So I believe that to live a Spirit-led walk, we must know, and by know I mean trust, have faith and believe in the Word of God that we have received the Holy Spirit because we believe. That's the first step. We must trust. And then Bye, Harrison. Have a good game, buddy. It's all right. Just walk out in the middle of my message. You can watch it online. Don't worry. You'll be fine. So <laughs> that's his afternoon set. Um, so first we trust and then we act. And I just want to share a couple of practical examples from my life, how I follow Holy Spirit's leading in my everyday, because my everyday is, is pretty mundane a lot of the time too. So the first thing that comes to mind for me is my children. I remember when we were in our house in Karanup and I had two little kids that, yes, did cause me frustration and I would be annoyed at them and I remember just being in the kitchen and like my face was getting redder and redder because just their behaviour was driving me insane. And what I wanted to do was just spew my anger out at them and let them suffer the wrath of their angry mother. But somehow, by the grace of God, just taking a moment and going, Holy Spirit, what do I do here? This is what I want to do. This is what I want to say but what do I do for my benefit and theirs? And the wisdom was 
send them to their bedrooms and don't say anything else. You don't need to unleash, don't unleash. With a teenager, uh, a, a good, great question is, what's actually happening here? Why, why is this happening? Why, what is the attitude? Why is this attitude coming out? Help me to understand Holy Spirit. You designed their hearts, you designed mine. Help us walk through this together. Personally, I often, when I have a reaction that isn't great, (laughs) I just ask Holy Spirit, why am I feeling like this? Why has this situation made me feel like this? And often I just get one simple word, which is, as you can imagine, you've, you've probably never experienced this, but it's a word of maybe something like pride, <laughs> maybe something like jealousy. And then I just go, yep, you're right, I'm sorry, help me, forgive me and help me, help me work through this. At work sometimes there might be a project or something going on that's too big or too hard or you're in a team of people that aren't easy Simply, Holy Spirit, what do I do today? How do I tackle this tomorrow? How do I have this conversation? And I really find, guys, that it's simple questions and simple answers, and then you walk through it with Holy Spirit in this beautiful, beautiful, loving relationship. It's not weird, it's wise. So we don't need fancy words and personally I've never experienced a lightning bolt come and rescue me out of a situation or just make everything perfect again, unfortunately. Problems don't disappear. I just keep asking a lot of questions. I don't think you can ask Holy Spirit too many questions. I think if they get too basic... For me, that would be Maltesers or M&Ms. Holy Spirit, guide my hand. He goes, you know what, Karen, I think you've got this one. It's both. For Ben, Ben's at the gym going, oh, Holy Spirit, squats or deadlifts today? Ooh. The answer's both, babe. And Holy Spirit says, thanks for the opportunity. You've got this one to work out yourself. So it's trusting and acting. Believing that that word, that idea, what comes out of that conversation is the Holy Spirit. That idea that came to you, that memory that comes to you, that word is the Holy Spirit because you are filled, we are filled with the love, the wisdom, the help, the guidance, the counsel of our great Holy Spirit. So let's just keep doing this, right? If we're at the very beginning, give Holy Spirit a chance. Just think of one thing to ask Holy Spirit for help and guidance through. Trust and act in it. And once you've done that, you'll go, yep, I'll give this one a go and this one a go. And we develop a great habit of trusting and acting. So church, shall we pump up the accelerator on our electric scooter? Yay, electric scooting all the way. Well, thank you very much and thank you, Pastor Jace. So good. I, I so just wish we had an electric scooter here to enter the stage. That, uh, <sighs> so this afternoon, it's deadlifts and squats. And Maltesers. And what was the other one? M&M's. 
I was thinking Skittles and bench press, but that, that works too. Ah, God's good. You're loved. It's crazy that he's so interested in you, me, doing life with us. So just for 60 seconds, can I get you just to close your eyes once more and just open your hands before the Lord? Just invite his loving presence again. Give permission for the Holy Spirit to shape in you the image of Christ afresh today. So just go ahead, your words, your heart connection with God, just for 60 seconds. Go ahead. receive your love again today. We don't hide our real selves pretending that somehow you're not going to see it. We're not going to try and project some image to try and impress you or anyone else. But God, we come humbly, holy. We bring our whole selves. And we thank you, Lord, that you see us and you love us, that you call us close. Lord, we thank you that through the victory of Christ, that your grace is awakened inside of us. You're shaping us, molding us. And we invite you again into our words, into our worship, into our walk, that we would be led by you, Spirit of God. Have your way in us. Be glorified in us. Let the world be blessed through us. Let us know your glory, your presence, your power. God, let us be alive on this journey of being your kids. So we love you and honour you this morning. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us here on our podcast. We encourage you to let this word further help you live and share the life to the full that Jesus gives. If you want to check out more about our upcoming events, service times, locations, or to give online, go to c3hh.com.au.